So good to see you this morning in the house of God. So great to, um, if you're watching online, so good to have you join us as well. And uh, you can, if you're online, take a seat wherever you are. Give someone a fist pump on the way down if you're here in person. So we do want to uh, welcome you all to church this morning. And so good to see you here. A little bit of a novelty to be able to meet in church in so many other parts of the world where you can't do that in person. So I want to um, just mention to those who are watching online, stay in touch with us, make sure you uh, drop us a line, send us a text, an email, something like that, just to let us know uh, where you are, what you're doing, and we'd love to support you through uh, this season. So we've just come through our prayer and fasting, and I want to encourage all those who have jumped on board and uh, prayed and fast this week on behalf of the church, on behalf of our lives, and this morning I want to pray on that subject. And something that I have discovered, for me anyway, is it's never a good time to fast. Uh, I never enjoy it, uh, but I know it has spiritual value. Uh, just want to say great to have Jeff and Sue Lawson with us this morning. We want to honour them for coming all the way down from Adelaide via Alliston to come to church this morning. So great to have you back with us again this morning. Just part of the family and we just want to honour them visiting with us today from anywhere else, we want to give you a great and warm welcome as well. Great job this morning, thank you. You can be released. <clears throat> but this morning I, I want to pray, I want to preach on prayer and fasting and uh, I guess I don't know what this message is going to sound like compared to the first one, but hopefully it's somewhat similar. So um, I want to really nail down some things about the power of prayer and fasting. So I'm going to give you some confessions of a pastor. I think it'll be a new segment that we have in church is confessions of a pastor. And, uh, you know, we know that, uh, not here, but other places, church people complain about just about everything. And I'm not going to give you any ideas or suggestions because I, I know uh, if you've been in, in a church or particularly if you've been in any kind of ministry, you know that church people complain about just about everything there can be. But when pastors complain, it's usually that the that, that prayer meetings are the least attended service in the entire church's calendar. So that's what pastors complain about. And I said that a lot better in this service than the, the first service. I don't know why, but it came out much better. But uh, when, when pastors complain, it's it's usually around about, well, we had a prayer meeting on such and such and hardly anybody came and, and we do prayer here and here, there and there and, and it's always the least attended time in the life of the church. And uh, I guess that, that is true in most of the churches I've been part of in the Western world. I know in other parts of the world, the prayer is the most important factor in the church. And uh, if we look at the New Testament and the, the primary focus the church was called to was to prayer. And they were praying all the time, gathering together in prayer, seeking after God for, uh, for his hand to move in their situation. And uh, if we look at the, the, the apostles in, the, in the, the New Testament, the very first leaders of the church, they only had two functions, was to devote themselves to prayer and to teaching the word. So they, they, they said, we can't do anything else. We're not going to 
turn the sausages on the barbecue. We're not going to be mowing the lawns. We're, we're not going to be um, going around visiting everybody in the church. We've got two functions, and that is to, to pray and to minister the Word of God. And so they made it so very clear as to their function and their, and their purpose. And the church has its primary function today, which has been, uh, I guess, somewhat neglected, is the, 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 the function of prayer. It's not, a, it's not a meeting that we attend. It's a function of the church. It is vital for our survival. <clears throat> it's already totally different from the first service, but that's okay. So I came across a book written in 1946, the year after I was born. I'm looking good for my age, aren't I? <laughs> I'll give you the name of the book because I love it. It's called Atomic Power with God through fasting and prayer. Because this was written just after you know, atomic power was really discovered and used for the first time where they use it to, to bomb other people. It's, it, but there, there, there was a, an awakening, I guess, in the, the writer of this book of this new power which was to cause great d- devastation and destruction called atomic power. And he likens that to the power that we have as a church when we fast and pray. So I'll give you some quotes from the book. They're really awesome. It says this, Without prayer and fasting, every Christian will more or less mark time and fail in their purpose. Um, fasting is the, most pow- is the most potent power of the universe and is placed at the disposal of every believer. The last one, A transformation in the body of Christ will begin as Christians fast and pray. So there's some good old advice from a generation ago in those statements right there. I'm going to give you something that Jesus taught about it. Because Jesus taught us the power of agreeing in prayer. When people agree on something in prayer, there is incredible power in agreement. When the church can agree together and bring that to God, you'll see amazing progress takes place. He says this, Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. I also tell you, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. When it talks about ask, we're going to use that word ask and say prayer. Whatever you pray for together. And I, I can testify today, there's only three or four of us here on a Wednesday morning in the men's prayer meeting, that we are united in prayer together. And I can tell you, and, and others, Pastor Michael's there, Pastor Josh and Graham, he's here this morning. We're here every Wednesday morning and we're praying. And, and you guys can testify so many of the things that we prayed for that were at the time impossible we've seen happen. You might think, what kind of things are you talking about? So you'll have to watch the first service to get the other half. I'm just going crazy today. Some of the things that were impossible at the time, but Lord, we needed new chairs. Well, we didn't have the money, but we're saying, God, we need some chairs. We don't know how, but Lord, would you give us chairs? Simple things. Lord, that the carpet's people, we had a guest speaker come and he kept tripping over the carpet on the stage because it was all lumpy. And he said to me after service, you need to get new carpet. I said, yeah, I know, but we've got no money. We're broke. We need new chairs too. But you know, something we're saying, well, God, we, we don't know how, but Lord, would you provide the money so that we can get new carpet? And you know, somehow or other, God gave us the, the, the finance that we needed to get new carpet at that time. So it's this world-breaking stuff. 
But you know something that we were praying for families, we were praying for people, we were praying for doctors. We, at the time, we didn't have any doctors left. When we came, there was a doctor, he left and went away, went to another country, said, I'm out of here. So I was saying, Lord, we need doctors in the church. Lord, we need people in the medical, in the medical area and, and praying for those things. And now we're seeing doctors relate to our church like multiple. And, and there's time after time that, that we've, we've been praying as, as a small group of men, believing together and we'd agree with each other's prayers. And we've seen God do the miracles. Anyhow, what, what should we do here? When, when believers pray together in agreement with each other, and God's word. So we've got to agree with each other and what God's word says. God's kingdom is advanced. And it's the launch pad, the foundation point of spiritual authority and power. And you know, I want to encourage you today to start to grasp a hold of the authority and the power that every believer, every Christian ought to live with. So it's not hard to discover in the Bible that Jesus prayed and fasted. It was a, a regular discipline of his life. So when fasting and praying, uh, you're forcing, when, when you're fasting and praying, you're forcing the physical to submit to the spiritual. And it allows clarity of focus on the Lord. Because we can be very clear on our focus on the physical things. Like, like I was stuck on, well, we ain't got no money. We're broke. Uh, we, 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 we're focused on, on our sickness. We're focused on, on our pains. We're focused on our, on our issues that surround us, that we're hungry or whatever else. But when we, when we fast and pray, we, we, change the, we transition our focus from a physical situation to the spiritual. And we make an investment of a spiritual, uh, of a, of a spiritual nature. So a habit of prayer and fasting prepares us for what's coming next. And we avoid being flattened by spiritual attack. So a habit of prayer and fasting prepares for what's coming next. So when we have that habit in our life of, of prayer and fasting, we can, we can expect that when attack comes, when a steamroller runs over us, that it's not the end of the story. We stand back up again because we were prepared for this. Because we had some spiritual grit going on that says, well, uh, I know my, 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 my Redeemer lives. I know where my strength comes from. And I can withstand any attack. So I'm going to talk about famous prayer this morning. That's the title of my message, famous prayer. And I want to encourage you today to start to be a person who prays famous prayers. Prayers that are heard in heaven. Prayers that have an impact on earth. So number one, Esther, a woman in the Bible. She's the queen of Persia. Who's got a Persian carpet here today? Who's got a Persian cat? Nobody. They're out of fashion. <clears throat> Esther, the queen of Persia. But she is a Jewish woman in a sinful city, in a sinful kingdom. Now, there are enemies who plot to eradicate all the Jews from the entire empire. You can read the story Esther 3, verse 5 to 6. So when Esther learns of this plot, she didn't plan to escape, to run away to New Zealand. She planned a fast. So she learns of this plot. She learns of this evil situation. And they say, hey, uh, guess what? 
you know, there's a, there's a legislation coming that says that every Jew is going to have to be murdered and killed and annihilated, and all their property is going to be given to those who kill them. So could you imagine that? What a great, a, a great uh, country to live in. Esther 4 verse 16 says this. She hears the news and she talks to the other, you know, some other people and she says, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa, that's the capital, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same and then, though it is against the law, <clears throat> I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. <clears throat> Esther calls the people to fast. And she doesn't actually mention prayer in this situation, but uh, we'll look at that in a moment. But, but she calls the people to fast. So when enemies surround you, it's time to fast. So you might have an enemy of, of uh, fear. You might have an enemy of lack. You might have an enemy of, of discouragement. I don't know, uh, there were different enemies to the first service, so they're, they're coming at me differently. <clears throat> but I don't know what the enemy is that you're facing, but I want to encourage you today that if you have enemies that are, uh, that are assailing you spiritually, then you need, to, you need to say, God, I want to deal with these things once and for all, and I'm going to put my physical second and my spiritual nature first, and I'm going to start to fast. Now, in this case, it was a three-day intense fast. I know some people, you know, I've read different stories about fasting and praying, and, and there, are, there are versions that say that basically, unless you fast for at least 21 days or 40 days, then it's not really going to do much anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, the Bible tells me that after three days of fasting, that the situation was able to turn around. So wh whichever way you do it, but I want to encourage you, you might, you might say, hey, God, I'm going to fast a meal. I'm going to dedicate that meal to praying instead. Um, and, and, or, or a day, whatever it may be for you. But I want to encourage you, don't just say, no, that's for someone else, because you have, you have uh, breakthroughs that you can take. I can't do it for you. Your wife won't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Uh, and you can't do it for someone else. You have to say, God, I'm going to discipline this area of my life so that I can live in the power, the atomic power that is available to me to break down strongholds, destroy the enemy. So I love what happens next. Esther calls for a fast. And she goes to the king. I call this being politically active. I think it's so important. See, bad laws are pushed through when Christians stay silent in their prayer room. We have seen an avalanche of bad legislation in our country. In fact, we're just following a lot of other bad legislation around the world. And, and it's just like a, a race to the bottom. Who can come up with the craziest bad legislation? But you know something? In, the, in, in that process of all that, we can't, as Christians, think, well, we're just going to sit quietly in our rooms and we'll just pray. Because God's giving us a voice to speak. And so we need to, we need to be active in our political agenda as a church, with humility, with love, with grace. But, you know, we, we all have a responsibility to, when things we know come to our attention, to write an email, write a letter, uh, get on the phone, talk to our local members, uh, have appointments with them. And I want to go even further and say perhaps God is stirring among you to become politically active yourself. You might want to... Um, uh, do some investigating and put your name down as, as a candidate. 
or become a member of a party and start to bring influence. That's what the church is in the world to do, to be salt and light, and we can influence the world in those ways. Now, it's not for everybody, but it is for some. And perhaps God is stirring a burden upon your heart to say, well, you know, I, I see these, the, these, these things that are dangerous for our society, and I'm going to go and talk to the king. That's what Esther did. She stepped one step further. She didn't just say, oh, well, that's too bad, everybody. Let's just fast. That'll do. She fast. She, she asked everyone to fast, and she got politically active and went to see the king. See, when the church harnesses the power of prayer and fasting, spiritual enemies are disarmed and helpless. And you know what? I didn't say this in the first one either, but if I'm going to go into a fight, I love to fight someone who's disarmed and helpless. It's the best way to go into it. So devil, come at me. You're disarmed and you're helpless because I've been preparing myself spiritually. I'm a lean, mean fighting machine. Come on, bring it on, devil. Your sword's gone. Your arms are gone. Your arguments are gone. You are defeated. I'll go in and fight a spiritual battle when the enemy is disarmed and helpless. The second person I want us to look at today is Daniel, my, my most favoritest character in the Bible. Now, he's a Jew in Babylon, a godly man in an evil kingdom. Now, enemies couldn't find anything to pin on him. His, his work is, is perfect. He does everything well. There is no accusation they can bring against Daniel because uh, of his, his uh, standard on everything is, is to an impeccable level. They can't pin anything on him. So these enemies, they hatched a plan to eliminate him. They're jealous. I guess they're jealous. They don't like him. He, he's got success written all over him. And sometimes among small people, they are threatened by the success of others. And so they think, we've got to get this guy out of the way. He's, he's going to block our promotion. So they want him out of the way. They want to eliminate him. And the only thing they can find against him is, is they say, we have to find something relating to his faithfulness to God. They said according to his religion. But it's according to his, his uh, faith and, and uh, his, his obedience to God. So they go to the king and they say, King, we've been thinking about some stuff. And we reckon it would be really, really good if we make a law that says that no one can pray to any other God except for you. And anyone who does has to be condemned to be fed to the lions. Now the king says, that's a great idea. I like it. Awesome. Well, yeah, and they said, actually, Here's the legislation. We've already had it. All you've got to do is sign. And he goes, yeah, for sure. No one can pray to any other God except for me. Signs away. Not knowing that that, that was going to affect Daniel the very next day. Now, look, look, I love this. So, so praying is now illegal. Daniel 6 verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Here what I see in Daniel is a boldness that, that says, doesn't matter what they try and take away from me, 
I'm going I'm to continue to do what I know I must do. So he has a boldness in the face of persecution. And he does what he's always done. I will just digress a second and say his posture means something. It says that he get, opened the windows. Uh, it was open. It was, it was uh, obvious to everybody. This is what I do. And it says that he, kneel, he knelt down. That's a posture of humility. And I want to tell you something. There's, I pray in all different ways. Sometimes I want to kneel and I, I, I pray that kneeling down. But Daniel shows us a posture of humility, not a posture of pride, not a posture of arrogance. But, and, and there's sometimes where, where you need to pray, and, and, and I do this a lot like I'm doing now, is, is I, I like to, to pace around. It's like I, I want to pray and I want to just get it out. And, and sometimes I want to kneel. Sometimes I want to sit. Sometimes I want to lie. Sometimes I, I want to um, uh, you know, sit. It all, all depends on what I feel is the, 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 the urgency of the prayer. But we do need to realize that there is something powerful when, and, and in the boldness of Daniel, despite this, this uh, sudden change of circumstances, that he says, you know what, I'm not going to try and... Um, defend this, I'm going to humbly bow my knee and pray to God, even though I know this is my death sentence. Is that amazing? Anyway, he gets sentenced to the lions, and he has a whole night in the lion's cage. What I love about this story, that I think is so incredible, is that when he gets sentenced, it says, and, and he gets taken away, taken to the zoo, put in the lion's cage, it says the king fasted. The king doesn't even believe in God. The king's totally ungodless. Only the day before, he's signing a thing saying, I am God. No one else can pray to anyone except, except for me, except to me. And it says he was so disturbed, so, so um, upset <clears throat> that it says he didn't have his usual entertainment. There's no Netflix, no TV, no, no drive-in that night says he, he fasted, he began to fast. An ungodly king began to fast and he, he starts to cry out to God, oh, I've made a mistake. God, I, I don't want to see Daniel harmed. He's, he's been a good person in my, in my court. I've, I've made a big mistake, God. Please, will you preserve his life? And he begins to intercede for Daniel. An ungodly king begins to cry out to God for Daniel. So it says in the morning, the king hurries to the lions to see what happens to what happened to Daniel. So he gets the early bus to the zoo, tells the driver, don't stop for any other passengers, take me there. Gets to the zoo, says to the zookeeper, I want to go to the lion's cage straight away. I want to see what they've had for breakfast. So they take him, take him into the, to the lion's cage. It says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 20, when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel replies, my God sent an angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. It's like the lions were muzzled. So the, the, what happened that night is the lions were fasting. They're like, we're not eating. <laughs> we're not hungry right now. But Daniel prayed famous prayers. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 to 4. 
and there are some great key elements to praying. And, uh, and, and we're going to look at them, but I want you to go home and study that, just those four verses and say, God, will you reveal to me ways in which I need to pray more powerful prayers, more atomic prayers. So <clears throat> what, what I want you to see here is, is Daniel uses the word of the Lord and he understands it and prays according to that. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 to 4, I'll read it out to you. Uh, During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I want to tell you today, you need to be acquainted with the word of God and know what God is speaking for the future. It's loaded with prophecies. We call, you know, we, we speak about end times. We speak about the, the, the prophecies for the future. And Daniel was reading of prophecies for the days in which he was, uh, he was living that were prophesied by Jeremiah. We have prophecies today prophesied by Daniel, by John, by Jeremiah, by Isaiah, by so many other prophetic voices in the Bible that we need to say, God, help me interpret the days in which I live and I want to be ready for that. I want to be prepared for that. I want to be spiritually awake and and, and ready. And one of those elements is being able to pray and fast for an awakening to interpret what the Spirit means in those prophecies. It's exciting that God gives us that ability. It's so exciting. So Daniel learned something from reading the word of the Lord. And he had a revelation, and I encourage you to seek God for revelations. It awakened his attention. The word of the Lord is active, and let our prayers be motivated in the word. I'll give you an example. When when the the word of God was activated in my life, I was a young man, probably a little bit disturbed, and uh, um, going through some some, I, I guess, the, 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 the battle between do I serve God or do I do other stuff? And I remember um, making some big mistakes, making some really embarrassing mistakes. And, and I got a word from the Lord, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, by, by my pastor. And so we can't underestimate the word of God administered to us by those who want to love and help us. And now I'm feeling like, oh, it's just, I've made too many mistakes. I've, oh, I'm 23 my life's over. God could never use me now. And, and, and my pastor said, Rob, I've got a word from you. And you know something? We need to be attentive when, when God sends someone to give us a word and not go, eh, you know, thanks very much, but I'm not taking that seriously. And I was like, you got a word for me? I, was, I, was, I needed something to grab hold of. And he says, it's Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Forget the part. Do you not perceive what God is doing? There's going to be uh, rivers in the wasteland, flowers in the desert. Things are going to come back to your life. Things are going to bloom and blossom even through the darkness and and through the the desolation of of the mistakes you've made from the past. Don't dwell on those things. And you know, I I just had to say, I received that as a word from the Lord. It's a revelation. And so I began to pursue after God, saying, well, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to forget the, the mistakes of yesterday. I'm going to forget the things that I did wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to, I want to perceive the, the, the bloom that are happening in the desolation of my wasted life. And God was faithful to the word that I believed. 
I want to tell you something. The, the Word of God may come to you by your pastor. The Word of God may come to you by your own personal time in, in the Word, by a friend, by a mum, by a cousin, by who knows who. But you know something? When you activate that Word and say, I believe that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, reel that into my spirit, it becomes power, it becomes atomic, and it becomes a, a, a weapon against the enemy's plans. I would hate to imagine what I would have been or, or become if I had not reeled in that one word. Because there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of foolishness. There was, there, was, there was a lot of mistakes to be made, even though there was plenty already. I just thank God and honor Jesus that he gave me a word that reeled me out of that situation. See, there are three things that happen when Daniel prayed with fasting. Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 and 23. I'll read it out to you. It says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, oh, the moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully to what, uh, so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. The moment you began to pray, Gabriel says, I want to tell you something. You need to be a person who knows that the moment you begin a prayer, God starts to action. God starts to activate and begins to release the power of heaven to your situation. And so there are three things that, that take place when Daniel prayed. He sees vision. He sees vision of the future. They all start with V. So, and we can expect vision, insight, and understanding from God when we turn to him about everything. When we turn to him and begin to pray, when we begin to fast and pray, we can expect, because it's a biblical pattern, that God will release insight and vision. The next thing we see, he has an angelic visitation. It says the angel Gabriel came to him swiftly. Now, I'm not saying that you should expect to see angels uh, come and visit you, but I can tell you that we can expect the Holy Spirit come swiftly. So, in Daniel's era, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to the church. We have the Holy Spirit who gives us insight, who gives us clarity, who gives us comfort, who gives us peace, who gives us wisdom. And that's the, the, the visitation that you ought to live with as a normal part of your life. That's a normal part. So I, I, wanna, I don't want to be mean to anyone here today, but if you're not living with that kind of input from the Holy Spirit, there's something not right. There's something missing in your, in, in your circumstances, in your situation. But I'll tell you what the good news is, you can, you can change all that any day you choose. You can not live with the, the fog of, well, what does God want to do with my life? Where should I be? What should I do? Uh, what is my strength? What is my ministry? Uh, what, what is my gifts? You don't need to live with the what ifs. You can live with the confidence of the call and purpose of Jesus. When you begin to translate your life according to the Word of God and the revealed Word in, into your spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit wants you to do that. The third thing we see, he gets the victory. Daniel gets a victory. And we can expect victory over the enemy. So when you turn to God and pray, you are strengthening the church. When, you, when, when you're you know, engaged in, in the call of God for you, you're strengthening the church. The world around you is influenced and you're strengthened yourself as well. So what famous prayer is waiting beside you, beside your name? What, what prayers in heaven are waiting to be prayed by you? See, the prayer that gets heaven's attention when angels are dispatched and visions are released are famous prayers where we pray in unity, where we pray according to the word, when we pray in faith, not based upon our experience or our knowledge. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back and join me again, please. See, that I'll give you some more confessions of a pastor. He loves them. We could really get dirty with these. For the first three years as the pastor of this church, I was praying, I was confessing the word over you, over the church, over the people, over this city, over this place. I was calling down blessings, uh, binding evil spirits. I'd be sitting down here somewhere because the stage wasn't quite like this. Somewhere along here, I'd come here in the mornings and during the afternoons and, and just be praying saying, God, we need a breakthrough. God, we need to see things change. God, people need to know Jesus in this city. I'll be crying out to God for God to do uh, something of the supernatural. And at the same time, there'd be people saying, oh, we can't stay in the church because we need to know the vision. We can't follow you without a vision. Now, the easiest thing when you feel that kind of pressure is, well, I'll make one up. It's easy go google churchvision.com but you know that's not going to last that doesn't come from god but i must say after three years of uh, uh, you know I'd, I'd, I'd fast on regular occasions i would pray all the time for you and your families and and for marriages and for everything else and for businesses and who knows what else i just prayed for everything but then in the fourth year God gives me the vision. And you would have heard this. It just came into my spirit one day. I wasn't thinking today, I'm going to write the church vision down. I was preparing for, 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 for preaching and I'm just doing, doing my message, preparation. And suddenly God just says, boom, here's your vision. And I get a statement come, come into my spirit to be a large relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And God says, that's your vision. That's a vision for One Heart Church. We changed the name. We instigated the vision. I saw what that looks like in my spirit. The vision was revealed after years of prayer and fasting. Now, every single person here today, God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for you to discover. God has a purpose for your life that you will never uncover. It's like covered by, a, by something simple that can easily be removed, but you just can't see it right now. And I want to stir faith within you today. I want to stir belief in the call and purpose of God for your life. Maybe you just need to give yourself some 
prayer time and fast. And some of those things will begin to make sense and begin to be revealed. Can I encourage everyone here to pray? One of the big mistakes we, we make as Christians is, is thinking that, that prayer is a meeting that only certain people are interested in. Only certain people do that. It's a meeting to attend. But you know, it's, it's, it's a normal, vital function of every believer and every church. Say that again. It's a normal, normal is the word. Prayer to the believer is a normal, vital function. Prayer in the church is not a meeting. It's a normal, vital function. And you might think, well, you know, I wish we had more time to, well, if you had the prayer meetings just at the right times, then maybe I would, I'd be able to make it. Well, you know something, most people aren't doing that much at 8 a.m. Sunday morning. But I can tell you, every single Sunday morning, we're here at 8 a.m. and we have a prayer time. We call it a prayer meeting because we all get together and we're meeting together to pray. You, everybody in the church is encouraged to attend. Wednesday mornings, we have a men's prayer, prayer meeting. But all we're doing is we're activating a normal function in the life of the church. See, the early church in the book of Acts, their primary function was pray. And we see so many miracles happening when they were just gathering together to pray. It says the disciples were meeting together in one place and suddenly Jesus appears. I'll tell you something, if you want, if you want Jesus to appear in your life, get together with other believers and start crying out for Him. And God will reveal Himself to you. So another time that says the church was together, gathered and behind closed doors because they're frightened. And it says they were praying and, and Peter's in prison. He's, the pastor's gone to jail. The pastor's in jail, chained, but the church is praying. Tell you, I want that kind of a church. If I was a pastor in jail, I'd, I'd be praying. God, may they be praying today. May they be so devastated that I'm in jail that they won't eat or sleep or anything until something happens. But the, these, the church is praying behind closed doors. And the next thing you know, an angel visits Peter in prison, wakes him, says, come on, let's get out of here. And then the next thing you know, Peter's knocking on the door of the prayer meeting and they don't let him in because they, they can't believe what God's just done. But I want to tell you something, church, prayer is a normal, vital function. If you can't remember anything, but you need to get this in your, into your spirit, through your head, past your, past your intellect, into your spirit, and say prayer is a normal, vital function, uh, not of the Christian, of me, of my life, of the church. I, I tell you, I want us to go into 2022 so ready, so strong, so focused. Doesn't matter what happens next. The church is going to have great strength in 2022 because these things that releases vision and visitation and victory to your life. I'm going to give Jesus the final word today. If we could just stand to our feet this morning. Agreement is spiritual power. It's spiritual atomic power. We need to have agreement with the Word when we pray. You don't go praising, uh, uh, praying for stuff that's just for you. 
So a lot of people say, I prayed about that, it didn't work. It does work. Stop praying about what, what you think in your brain is what you need. I knew, I prayed God for the job and, and it didn't happen. God probably had much better idea. I praise God today. I look back over my life and I, I thank God that He didn't answer some of the stupid prayers that I prayed. I'd be married to the wrong person, living in the wrong house, in the wrong country. You need to start to change your, your confession. Say, God, I thank you for the prayers you haven't answered. I'm going to shift my focus to the prayers that, that are your kingdom prayers. So you need to have an agreement with the Word, agreement with your church. That's really, really important. And I, I'd say this with respect. You need to have agreement in the church where you belong. You need to belong, have your roots down in a church. Why, is that, is that, is that because a church needs you? Sort of. It goes both ways. You need a church and the church needs you. It's a pattern that God had for the world. It's a pattern that God has for, for the earth, for us. So you need to have agreement with the Word, with the church, and with others. And God will see things change. Matthew 18 says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. See, there's people here today and you have a sense of a call to political action like Esther. And perhaps God is, is just wanting to stir something in you today. Next time you, you know of something to, to start writing emails, make an appointment to see a local member, do some calls. Perhaps it's going even further to, to consider a political career, run for politics, I don't know. But it's a good thing for solid Christians to be active in government. And we need to see more of that, not less of that. We change the world from, from being in the world, not trying to be out of it. So it's a mistake for the church. Jesus said, go into all the world and be salt and light. Didn't say, go into all the world and make yourself little, little bunkers and shine a light around and not be connected to anybody. He means be the salt, be the light, make a difference, be an influence in the world. We need to influence in every part. Maybe it's like Daniel, the, you're the target of persecution. I want to encourage you today to be bold in your faith. Don't stop believing, get praying. Get praying. Get on your knees in humility. Kyle shared this in the prayer time earlier, Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. If you're here today with the worry problem, I want you to bring it to God today. Pray for it. Maybe you need to fast a meal. Maybe you need to set a time once a month. Say just this one time a month, I'm not going to eat today. Don't do it when you're rushed out of home in a hurry one day and thought, well, I missed breakfast, so oh God, I'm fasting. doesn't quite work. But personal prayer and fasting spiritually prepares, equips, empowers, 
and mobilizes our faith for anything, for everything. So we can just close our eyes. I want to pray for you today. Perhaps put your hands out in front of you to receive something from God as an action, a posture of Lord to help me receive something today from you. Lord, I pray right now for those who you're stirring in their hearts uh, the, the, the call to political activism in a right way, in a holy way, in a godly way, in an honoring way. So perhaps today there's people in One Heart Church and you're stirring in them to, to be political, to see the King. I just pray, Lord God, right now that they'll begin to discipline their life in ways to pray and to fast and to read your word. So when those doors open, they're prepared spiritually for those roles, to stand on godliness, to stand on good values, to stand against ungodly laws and legislation. So Lord, I just pray, may may there be a deposit on those people today. May we see in the future, Lord, many people from within this fellowship who are involved in political ways, in, in parliament, and counsel, wherever else we may have influence at that political level, Lord God, we pray that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those who feel the sense of persecution as a believer, maybe in their workplace, maybe even in their families, in their homes. I pray right now, Lord God, that when they feel that pressure, that they will turn to you. They will open their spiritual window to heaven and kneel and say, God, would you help me through this season? even though it's unpopular, even though people told me not to. God, I'm not going to give up on the call and purpose for my life. And Father, I pray that as they do, there'll be visions. There'll be visitations of the Holy Spirit. I pray that there'll be, there'll be victories in their life over all those things that the enemy wants to bring against them. And I ask in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. If you can just take your seats again for one last time. If you can just close our eyes just to allow some privacy for those today who this will relate to. And If you're here today and you want to become a Christian, Jesus gave his life that we may have forgiveness of our sins. When we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we can ask him into our heart so that he can deal with that innermost part of our life and take away our sin. The Bible says if we confess, repent, which means to turn around and believe in Jesus, then we will be born again. We have a whole fresh new start of life. It's a very exciting step to take. If you're here this morning, just in the privacy of this moment, and you're thinking, I know I need to do this, why don't you just, without anyone looking around, just slip up your hand and I'll see that. I want to pray with you today and have you pray a prayer with me that's you today, you can just raise your hand and I'll see it. I'd love to pray with you today. It's okay, there's no one so bold today, but I want us to pray this prayer, just in case there are those who need to do that today. Prayers on the, on the screen right now, we can turn to the screen. We're going to ask the Lord, if you, if you pray this prayer for the very first time, you can have assurance that Jesus hears. It's a, it's a great first step to a prayer life is to start with asking Jesus to deal with your sin and stepping into the 
for new things He has for you. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe You are the Son of God, that You died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that You forgive me. I give You my life and I invite You to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into Your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. And I really hope that this message today may stir within you something fresh, something new that changes the future of 2022 in your life and in the life of this church. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next week. And don't forget, if you